Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. What does true friendship mean to you? Think for a moment about your most significant relationships, your most cherished friendships. How did those relationships start? What was it that caused you to be friends with those people? Many times a friendship starts with a simple act of service, of caring, doing something kind or helpful for one another. And so a relationship, a friendship is begun. Maybe it was someone who just kindly shoveled your driveway or cut your grass or welcomed you to the neighborhood with pies or cookies. Or someone helped you in a time of need, when you had a flat tire, you were stuck in the snow, or your battery was dead. Perhaps someone brought you a meal in a difficult time, or gave you a place to stay, clothes, or, or maybe a ride to an important doctor's appointment. Maybe they just sat and listened about the pain and loss in your life. Whatever it was, it was the beginning of a relationship, a friendship that has had a profound impact on you, possibly a life-changing impact. We're more likely to make significant changes in our lives when we're encouraged in authentic relationship. We're more likely to be in relationship with someone we trust, someone who's been with us through some struggles, some challenges, and has stayed by our side. Week after week, Center Street Church community groups are on a mission to build relationships, spiritual friendships with people by providing a helping hand in a variety of ways and places, by serving people in their neighborhoods, by being involved in their communities and community associations, by supporting and serving with agencies in this city that help others. They've served food to needy and homeless people. They've cleaned up neighborhoods. They've supported new Canadians as they adjust to life in Canada. They visited shut-ins and led chapel services in hospitals and nursing homes. They've helped to tidy up people's yards and mend their fences. They've taken food and support to accident victims and to people in need. They've shoveled their neighbors' driveways. Why are they doing this? Because they want to show the love of Jesus to people before they talk about it. They want to break down all the roadblocks that people have to experiencing God's love and forgiveness and give them one good reason to consider Jesus' love through their love, their service, and friendship. Well, good morning. And I, too, want to welcome you to Center Street Church this morning and to our central campus at this location here. I want to say hi to all of you at our south campus that are joining us this morning and all of you online. Well, this weekend is one of our global mission weekends, global ministry weekends that we have periodically throughout a calendar year. And we want to draw some attention this weekend to the ways that we as a church are advancing Jesus' mission locally and nationally and around the world. So I want to encourage you, just grab the little insert like this that was in your bulletin that you uh, received as you came in or share with someone next to you. <clears throat> On this little insert, you're going to find all of our partner agencies, our partner churches, and uh, those missionaries that we support as a church, locally, nationally, and around the world. And I want to encourage you to 
Look through this list and um, commit to praying. Commit to praying for a church or a missionary or an agency. Commit to partnering with them in what God has called them to do in this world. As well, I'm not sure if all of you are aware of this, but 18 cents of every dollar given to Center Street Church goes to fund, resource, finance, local, national, and international mission initiatives. 18 cents out of every dollar. And so for those of you that financially support the ministries of Center Street Church, you have a financial investment in these agencies, churches, missionaries, and so pray for whoever God directs on your heart and your mind. Pray for them. Commit to pray with them. Partner with them in prayer. As we as a church all together partner with them financially and very practically in those ways. Now at Central Campus, has already been mentioned, there's some great um, mission agencies, missional groups, missional teams in our atrium. And so after the service, if you didn't see them on the way in after the service, go and talk to one of these um, representatives in our atrium and, and consider how you or your family or your community group could partner with them in what God is calling them to do here in Calgary, to represent Christ in Calgary. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. You see, the Bible teaches that you have a role to play in making Jesus known. You have a role to play. In fact, your highest mission, your highest calling, your highest invitation in life is to partner with Jesus and advance the mission that he started when he was on earth here 2,000 years ago. Paul says it this way in Colossians 3, verse 17. He says this, Whatever, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. If you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you do represent Christ in everything you do and in everything you say. You represent him. You represent his compassion, his forgiveness, his mercy, his justice, his truth, his value for human life. You represent his teaching, his generosity, his identity. You represent his design for human sexuality. You represent his righteousness. You, as an individual, represent Jesus in this world through all that you do and through all that you say so that others at some point might come to know Jesus like you know him. You represent him. One author says it this way. God has created each of us with a unique contribution to make to our world and our times. No other person has the same abilities, motivations, network of friends, relationships, perspectives, ideas, or experiences. And when we fail to represent Jesus, we fail to advance the gospel in this world. So I want us to look at a story, Acts chapter 3. Turn in your Bibles if you have them with you. Acts chapter 3. And what we're going to see is that as we act and speak, as we do and say, as we represent Jesus in this world, that involves us in three ways. Involves us in three ways. So would you stand with me? And I want to pray as we just dig into God's word this morning. Jesus, we are here not by accident. 
We came to this place intentionally. We want to learn from you. We want you to speak to us. And as we look at your word, your ancient text, would you speak to us in our heart, in our mind, in our soul? God, help us to make some changes, transform us, alter us, adjust us, make us think differently. Give us stronger convictions. God, motivate us. Do whatever it is that you want so that we would represent you well. That's our heart's desire. And so teach us now by your spirit. We're open. We're listening for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, before you have a seat, <laughs> I want us to... I want us to read the first five verses of this story together. And then I'll, I'll read it later on. But let's all start this, this story. Acts chapter 3. Let's read together here. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Thanks for reading well. You see, the setting for this story to take place was just an ordinary routine day. Peter and John are going to a prayer meeting that was held at the temple three o'clock in the afternoon. This is what they did every day. This is just was a routine part of their day. We see in Acts chapter two, verse 46, the Bible tells us that believers in that day and time, they went to the temple every day. They gathered, they gathered in the temple every day. So Peter and John have their regular route, and they're just walking along. They're going to this prayer meeting. For the crippled man here in this story, this day was routine for him as well. The text tells us that each day, this crippled man was carried to this particular spot, this particular location just outside the temple here beside this gate called the beautiful gate so that he could beg for money. Imagine the traffic of people coming in for this prayer meeting. This crippled man knew where to be strategically located so a lot of people would pass by him to and fro. That's why he was put here. This young man is believed to be in his 40s. And you'd think that Peter and John going to the temple every day they probably walked by this man once or twice. Maybe they noticed him, maybe they didn't. It's interesting to think that maybe even Jesus walked by this gate and walked by this, this man begging because he had been here each and every day for years and years and years. And here's what I want you to notice. It is in the routine of our day the routine of our daily lives, our ordinary day, that we speak and act as representatives of Jesus Christ in this world. 
It's in our daily life, the context of our everyday life, the routine lives that we live, where the power of the gospel will be made evident in our lives, where the gospel will be manifest in our lives and we represent Jesus well, or it will be in the routine of our daily life that we fail to represent Jesus well. It will be in the routine of our day where our devotion and our commitment to live and represent Jesus well and what we do or say will be non-existent. You see, friends, how you act and what you say represents Jesus. Represents Jesus to your friends, to your wife, to your husband, to your kids. We represent Jesus to our kids or to our grandchildren in the routine everydayness of our life. How you act in your business meetings, how you speak in your business meetings represents Jesus. How you tweet, how you post on Facebook represents Jesus. Represents Jesus. How you act and speak represents Jesus on your sports teams, wherever you go, in your coffee meetings, in your visiting, in your, in your movie watching, you represent Jesus Christ. And we either represent him well or we show up and we actually don't represent him at all. And our routine lives, our routine lives hold the greatest opportunity for us to live as representatives of Jesus Christ. Peter and John are just going to church that day. They're just walking to this prayer meeting. And an encounter with a man along the way was the context for God to move in a miraculous, supernatural, extraordinary way. It was on the way that this happened. And so my encouragement to you is, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, let's not look past our routine day. Let's not look past our waking up in the morning, our greeting our family members, our going to work, our driving to work, our, our working, our meeting, our eating, our leisure time, our hobby time, whatever it is that fills your day. Don't look past all of that and think, well, I'm going to represent Jesus then or on this weekend or on that mission strip or, or that time. No. Let's not look past every moment of every day and every interaction because that is an opportunity. See, if you don't hear, and I hope you hear everything I say, but if you don't hear everything that I say, please hear this the next few minutes. minutes. Although your day may be routine, you are not ordinary. Although your day may be routine, you are not ordinary. You have the Holy Spirit living in you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. When you confessed your sin, repented of your sin, turned away from that, from, from your sin, and trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, God, by his Holy Spirit, came and indwelled living inside of you, and he empowers you, and you are not ordinary. You're not ordinary. You have an incredible job in the kingdom of God. You have an incredible job. 
You have a very high-ranking, important, necessary, critical role to play in representing Jesus Christ. You have the backing of Jesus Christ himself in everything you do and everything you say. You represent him wherever you go. You are, as scripture says, an ambassador, a witness, an agent of Jesus Christ in this world. When you act and you speak, you act and speak on the authority And with the power of Jesus Christ, you have direct access to him in prayer. You have God's spirit living inside you to represent him. And just like any son or daughter represents their mother and father, you represent Jesus Christ because you are a child of God and you are part of his family. You represent Jesus Everywhere you go, with everything that you do, and everything that you say. And so, the routine of your life, that every moment by moment, minute by minute, day by day, holds the possibility of something extraordinary, supernatural, miraculous to take place. Every moment, because you represent Jesus Christ. Examine the routine of your day. How do you represent Jesus? That's the first thing that I want to notice in the text here. It's right here, Peter and John. This is what happens in the routine of their day. Let's go to verse 4. I'll read for us. Peter and John looked at him, this, this man, intently. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by his right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. What a marvelous story. See, this man who has been crippled from birth every day sits asking for money. Asking for money. I don't know why he asks for money. He didn't ask for healing, maybe because he didn't know that healing was a possibility for him. But he asks for money, and Peter stops, and they They have an encounter. This man feels, well, finally, someone with compassion and generosity and and someone with some money has stopped here to give me something. And Peter says, I don't have any money. I don't have what you're asking for. I don't have what you think that you need. But Peter says, but what I do have I'm going to give to you. And what I do have is what you really do need. I have what you really do need. Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And can you just imagine as Peter grabs his arm, this would be incredible to see with our eyes, his ankles begin to just to be reformed and muscles grow on his legs and his legs just take on the the attributes of a 40-year-old man and he begins to walk and jump and And he enters with Peter and John into the temple, just praising God full of joy. Here's the second thing that I want you to notice. 
God will give to you what someone else needs. God will give to you what someone else needs. Maybe not what they want or they're asking for, but God will give to you something that someone else needs. You see, first we notice that it's in the routine of our daily life that we act and speak representing Jesus. And in those opportunities, in those moments, God will give to you what someone else needs. Really, what he wants to do in someone else's life. Through your action and through your speaking. God will whisper something to you. He will speak to you in your spirit and nudge you or prompt you or guide you in an opportunity that you have to bring healing or restoration or bring generosity or bring service or bring blessing or bring whatever it might be, even salvation to someone or to a family or to a community. And you see, maybe God has already given you something that someone else needs. Maybe God has already placed in your possession something that he intends to be used for his purpose in someone else's life. He may have already given you a skill or an ability or finances or a house or a room, an extra room or an extra car or given you wisdom. He may give you the gift of time. He may give you the ability to teach or he may give you He may have already given you a community of friends in which you can invite someone else who desperately longs for friendship or relationship. He may have already given you something that someone else needs. Or perhaps tomorrow or this week or next week, he will put into your path an opportunity. And you'll think, boy, I don't have what this person needs. But God supernaturally by his spirit will equip you in that moment. In that moment, just like he equipped Peter in that exact moment to give to someone else what they really do need. God may do that. So my question for you is this. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have already in your possession that God wants to use, that God wants to leverage for his purpose to represent him in this world? What do you have? There's a couple that I know of. Their names are Ed and Evelyn. They don't attend this church. But what they do have is they have a truck, they have a garage, and they have time. That's what they have. Ed and Evelyn are, are very involved in their church, and they, they serve on various different teams and serve all the time, and they have, they've gotten permission from the church leadership to do this. And what Ed does is on the weekends, when everybody comes to church, you know, for the worship gathering on the weekend, Ed hands out little cards and talks to everybody that he can find and asks them to bring their pot bottles to church. And, and Ed says, you know what, just drop them off here at this location. And every single weekend, Ed gathers up all of those bottles with Evelyn. And they take them to their garage. And he can't even park his car in the garage anymore because he has a very strategic and efficient sorting system in his garage. Shelves and bags and everything all over the place. And Ed sorts them all, puts them into bags. And then he takes them to the bottle depot and gets money for them. And what he does is he sends all of that money 
to represent Jesus Christ to orphans in Swaziland. And in the first nine months of the year 2016, guess how much money Ed has sent there? Over $13,500 to Swaziland to represent Jesus Christ there. And what does he have? He's got a truck, he's got time, he's got a garage. What do you have? What desire or mission or cause has Jesus Christ placed into you so that you would represent him to others? There's a family in this church that have an extra bedroom. For a period of time, they invited a high school student who could no longer live at home for a period of time, they invited them into their home to live and stay with them. They've got an extra room. There's families in our church that have an extra room, have an extra crib, an extra bed, and they provide care for foster kids, provide care for a period of time until, until they can be returned back to their biological families. There's a business person in our church he desires to represent Jesus well to his staff and to his clients. That's what he wants to do. He offers to pray with his staff when they're going through a tough time or when he feels prompted to do so, he'll offer to pray with them. He pays his staff well. He treats his clients fairly. His staff know that he operates his business according to Jesus' values and biblical principles and they all know that. And he doesn't do that perfectly all the time perhaps, but that's what they know he's trying to do as he runs his business. At the end of the day, he simply wants to represent Jesus well in all that he does and in all that he says and to be authentic and real about it. What do you have that Jesus is saying to you by his spirit? You know what? I want to use that. I want to leverage that for my purpose, for my witness, for my testimony in this world. What do you have? And I know, I don't know what, I don't know what God will be saying to you, what God will bring into your path this next week. But I do know that at some point, at some time, he will present you with an opportunity to act or to speak, to represent him. And when he does that, don't be afraid. Don't shrink back. Don't, don't, don't shrink back in fear. Don't doubt. Just trust that God has placed you as his representative at that place, at that time, in that scenario, with that person to act and to speak. And just trust that. And do what he's asking you to do. And say what he's asking you to say. And just leave everything else up to him. Because we have a role to play. First of all, in the routine day-to-day -day of our life, we have opportunity to act and speak. God will give to you what someone else needs. But there's something that we have that is far greater than any act of generosity, any act of justice, any act of serving, any physical or, or emotional healing. There's something greater that we have. You see, if this story had gone a little bit differently, what if it had gone like this? If Peter had met this crippled man asking for money, and Peter had come up to him and said, you know what? I don't have any money, and I don't have the power to heal you. But what if Peter had said, but I can tell you this. 
you trust in Jesus as your Savior, your sins will be forgiven and you will spend eternity with God. We might think, well, that's much less spectacular, much less miraculous, much less moving. But is it? Is it? Isn't the salvation of one soul greater than a temporary miracle? It is. It is, church. You see, this guy probably sitting by the temple each day saw people walking in and saw people walking out. And because of his request, perhaps he thought, you know what, if I can get a lot of money, then I'm going to be happy. Maybe on some days he even thought, boy, if I could walk, then I would never be unhappy again. But the truth is, most of us can walk in this room, and many of you are unhappy. You see, walking doesn't equal happiness or fulfillment or peace in your soul. Financial success doesn't equal fulfillment, happiness, or peace in your soul. We need something far greater than these things. All of us have something that we think of, you know what, if I could only get that or achieve that, I'd be happy. But the problem is that other people have that and they're not happy. What we all need as humankind is to be restored into relationship with God. That is what every human being on the face of this earth needs. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, well, you hold that message. You embody that message. You know this truth. Back to verse 9 here in the text. All the people saw him, this crippled man, walking. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? You see, the phrase that jumps out to me from this passage here is Peter saw his opportunity. He saw his opportunity to tell the crowd the truth about Jesus Christ. That's what he saw. This miracle had everybody there shaken up. They were wondering, what has happened? What is this new reality that we see? What took place in this man? And they were asking, by whose authority and by what power was this crippled man healed? What happened here? Peter sees an opportunity and he steps right into it. And he says, let me tell you. Let me tell you. And in a nutshell, Peter's message is this. You were wrong about Jesus Christ. He was here. You were wrong about him. He was the son of God. And you didn't pay attention to him. Instead, you killed him. But God raised him back to life. And he is now with God in heaven. And it's by his power. And it's by his authority. That this man stands before you now healed. And so pay attention to Jesus Christ while you can. Pay attention to Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Turn to God so that you can be forgiven. And the text says, so that times of refreshing may come to you. And we read in Acts chapter 4 that 5,000 men 
became followers of Jesus that day. Peter saw an opportunity to speak about Jesus, and he did. And my invitation and challenge to every single one of us in this room, and to all of us at Center Street Church at our central campus here in all four services, my challenge and invitation is, let's be people that speak to others about Jesus. Let's not hold back. Let's not be afraid of what people will think about us. Let's speak about Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives. Let's do this. Let's take every single opportunity that comes our way to share this gospel message, this amazing truth, this amazing reality. Let's speak about the love and the mercy and the grace and forgiveness that is available to every single person through Jesus Christ. You see, in the routine of our lives, we live the gospel message. We represent Jesus. And it's in the routine of our lives that we have the opportunity to speak the gospel message to others, to tell people about Jesus. So my question for you is this. If someone came up to you this week, perhaps, and says, you know what, you just have something in you, this peace, this contentment, this just a way about you and, and something different, and I want what you have. Maybe someone might come up to you and say, you, you go to church, you know about this Jesus guy, tell me about him. Maybe someone will say, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in the Bible? They might even say, there's just something so wrong with my life. There's something better I know. Do you have an answer for me? In those moments, do you know how? Do you know how to communicate with someone? Engage them in the story of Jesus Christ so that they would make this, this commitment. Receive Jesus Christ into their life. Be at peace with God. Do you know how to do that? Maybe you're here and you, you do. That's fantastic. But maybe you're here and you don't. If your child or your grandchild asked you, I want to become a Christian, would you know how to pray with them? Would you know how to talk with them? Would you know how to talk with a friend or a neighbor? And what I want to do is, in just a few moments here, share with you the core of the gospel. Take out this little insert that you have in your bulletin as well. Just this little diagram that looks like this. And I, and very quickly, in a minute and a half or two minutes or so, I just want to tell you the core, core aspects of the gospel, of what Jesus Christ did. If someone approaches you or you have an opportunity, like I just described, sit down with that person. Find out where they're at in their spiritual journey. Get to know them a bit. You, maybe you already know where they're at and you as well can approach the gospel from different places as well. You could start with us. You could start with Jesus. You could start with God. You could start with sin. But here's the core message of the gospel. There's a God. He exists. He's real. God is infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, so beyond our comprehension, but we can know him. There's God. God made everything in existence. Everything that we see, he made. 
and he made humankind, and there's us. He made humankind, and every single person on the face of this earth has at one time or another ignored God, resisted God, gone against God, rebelled against him, shook our fist at him. All of us have done this. With the life that he's given us, we have opposed God. We valued other things, have had other priorities than God in our life. The Bible calls this sin. And no matter how hard we try, there's sin at the bottom. No matter how hard we try, we can't get rid of sin. We all know this. <laughs> we can't get rid of sin. No matter how hard we try, no matter what good things we do, no matter how hard we want to clean ourselves from our guilt and our shame, we can't do this. It's impossible. We can't do anything about our sin. And God being perfect and pure and just and righteous and just, he can't allow rebellion to continue. He can't stand by being just and perfect and holy. He can't, he can't allow rebellion to continue. He's got to do something about this rebellion, this opposition. He can't ignore it anymore. And, and so God sent his son, Jesus, to deal with that. Because he couldn't ignore our rebellion anymore and because of his great love for us, he sent Jesus to this earth in the flesh, condemned to die on a cross. And so all of God's judgment, all of God's justice, and all of God's wrath against us was placed on Jesus Christ, crushing him, killing him. But God raised Jesus back to life. God raised Jesus Christ back to life, proving that he can conquer sin. He's got power over death, proving that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what betrayal, what sin has been committed against you, what anger you have in your heart, what bitterness you have in your heart, what addiction you have in your life, no matter what is going on in your life, God, by his power, can help you overcome that because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you and you and you and all of us that are followers of Jesus Christ. That same power. And so we can't, but we can't know God on our own behalf. No matter how able we are, no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do well, no matter how we perform or don't do this or do that, we can't get to know God on our own. We simply have to believe in Jesus. So we've got God, we've got us, we've got sin, we've got Jesus, and now the choice, believe. That is, in a nutshell, the gospel message, the truth of Jesus Christ. That is the message that we communicate in different ways and different aspects. But at some point, every person has to decide, will you believe in Jesus? Receive him as your savior? Meaning, you confess your sin, you acknowledge you've sinned, receive his forgiveness. And receive him as Lord. Meaning, he's your king, your leader, and requires a surrendering of your will. Church, could we be people that are not ashamed, that don't shrink back whenever there's an opportunity to, with love and respect and gentleness, speak about 
Jesus Christ to others. Let's be those kinds of people that represent Jesus well. I um, have come to the end now. I want to encourage you to take this home. Look up these verses. Put it on the fridge. Put it where you'll see it. Strive to know how to talk about your faith. Sometimes we just don't know how to do that. We feel uncomfortable doing that. But I want to challenge you gently. You have to know how to do that. With love as your pastor, you have to know how to do that. We get frightened at times and fearful at times and insecure at times. Well, forget all about that. Just talk about Jesus. Could we do this? You don't have to use this diagram. Come up with your own way, your own style, your own words, your phrases. Stay true to Scripture, but represent Jesus through the way that we speak. We've come to the end, and I, like we always end our services, I want us to spend a few moments in quietness and invite God to speak to us by his spirit. And maybe God has spoken to you about the routine of your day. Maybe he's brought some things to your mind that he's saying, you know what, you need to confess that or you need to commit to doing that. Maybe he's spoken to you about your day. Maybe he's spoken to you about something you have. You've been holding on to that tightly and God by his spirit is saying, you need to use that to represent me to others because others have what you need. Or maybe there's someone that's come to your mind that you need to share Jesus with. And you need to get to the point where you say, friend, do you want to believe in Jesus today? You need to get to the point of asking that question and leaving the results up to God. If you want, I encourage you to hold out your hands and let's just spend about a minute in silence just listening for God's spirit to affirm, confirm some things in us this morning. So Holy Spirit, speak. We're here, we're listening. Speak to us. service without just asking if there's anybody here this morning who you don't know Jesus personally yet you haven't received him as your savior and your lord you haven't experienced this peace this life with God if you're here you can know him today if you want to do that then just repeat these words after me. Mean them from the, your heart. You could say something like this. Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. And I'm tired of living my life without you. I believe in you, Jesus. 
that you are the son of God and that you died for my sin. Please forgive me for all my sin and make me a new person. I open up my life to you and receive you now as my Savior and Lord. Take control of my life. I want to follow you. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. If you spoke these words, meant them from your heart, then you have stepped into a life with God through Jesus Christ. I would love to meet with you and talk with you after this service. Jesus Christ, as we go about our day this week, our, our time this week, in all that we do and all that we say, we want to honor you and bring glory to your name. Make us into a church that would represent you well in every corner, in every neighborhood, in every workplace, in every school, college, every single nook and cranny of Calgary area. Would you use us to make you, Jesus, famous? In all that we do and all that we say, we want to honor you. And so God, help us by your spirit to take advantage of every single opportunity. Help us to watch and have eyes to see what you're doing. And help us to be courageous and bold to step right into that opportunity to do what you want us to do or say. And we'll leave the results to you, God. So help us in this. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you. And may he give you peace this week that comes only through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter 